You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Yo, it's Keith Smith, Atlanta Falcons fullback, and you're listening to Pro Football Chase Podcast. This is Jamon Bushrod, pro bowler. Super Bowl champion, you're listening to the Pro Football Chase Podcast. Hey, it's Jimmy Ward. You're listening to the Pro Football Chase Podcast. Hey, what's up, guys? It's Packers wide receiver Marquez Valdez-Scanling. It's the Pro Football Chase Podcast. Hello, this is center Nick Martin for the Houston Texans, and you're listening to Pro Football Chase Podcast. Hey, it's Willie Gay Jr., Chiefs linebacker, and you're listening to the Pro Football Chase Podcast. Hey, what's up, guys? It's Keith Kirkwood, wide receiver, number 19 for the Carolina Panthers, and you're uh, listening to the podcast of Pro Football Chase. Hey, everyone. It's Chris Wormley here, Steelers defensive lineman, uh, and you guys are listening to the Pro Football Chase Podcast. Hey, what's up? It's Browns linebacker, Jacob Phillips, and we're live on the Chase Podcast. All right, what's going on, y'all? This is Channel 7, number 39 for the Green Bay Packers, and you're tuning in to Pro Football Chase. Let's go. Good morning, everybody. Welcome into the Pro Football Chase Podcast. It's Isaac Sines with you and my co-host, NFL defensive tackle, Jarrell Worthy. Jarrell, we're getting ready for week 15 of the NFL season, man. Things continue to go pretty quickly, and we just wrapped up week 14 with a bang on Monday Night Football, Ravens and Browns. That one is a clear candidate for game of the year. Um, so it, it was pretty exciting, man. I, I had a good evening watching that game. How are you doing today? Man, I'm doing excellent, man. Uh, it's uh, coming down to the nitty-gritty. I'm very excited about the upcoming weeks of football. Um, one by week uh, upcomings as far as these playoffs are concerned. And a lot of top picks out there are trying to get that, that bye week. So it's coming down to the, uh, the nitty-gritty, bro. I'm very excited. Exactly. That one extra playoff spot in the AFC and the NFC, it really makes things a whole lot more complicated because only the top seed in each conference are going to get the bye and everybody else is going to have to fend for themselves over wildcard weekend. It's going to be crazy and wild. I can't wait to watch how things unfold, Jarrell. But we're going to get into some trending NFL topics as we always do to open up the podcast. And this week, I wanted to go a little bit of a 
different approach, Jarrell. So usually we'll, we'll do the underappreciated storyline. This week I want to do Offensive Player of the Week and Defensive Player of the Week. It's just a way to highlight a couple of player performances that were impactful in their team's victory in week number 14, Jarrell. So for me, there's plenty of candidates, and, it, and it's kind of hard to pinpoint exactly one player. And I know Derrick Henry went off for over 200 yards, but my pick is... Cold second round running back Jonathan Taylor out of Wisconsin. This is a guy that had been in the doghouse a little bit. He was put on the bench behind Naheem Hines and Jordan Wilkins. Of course, to start the season, Marlon Mack was ahead of him. And a guy that a lot of people were questioning, maybe this guy's not going to pan out. Maybe what he did at Wisconsin was just because of that dominant offensive line. But he showed up and showed out on Sunday against the Las Vegas Raiders drill. He rushed for a career high 150 yards to go along with two touchdowns on 20 carries. It included a 62-yard breakaway touchdown in which Taylor went virtually untouched until the final five yards of the run. And we all know what happened to those Vegas Raiders, Jarrell. Paul Gunther was fired shortly after that torching by Jonathan Taylor. And so my offensive player of the week, I give it to the rookie running back. Yeah, he went off, man. Um, I mean, it really was an impressive game, uh, an impressive win uh, for uh, for those guys. And uh, I really think that at the end of the day, they're going to keep uh, feeding him the ball, man. Um, it's coming down to the nitty gritty, and it was a very impressive win uh, for these guys. And um, the Colts have an opportunity to really uh, take control of, of the of the AFC South, man. And and so it's going to come down to these final games, and I'm very I'm very excited to see. Um, and for me. I'm going to stick with a running back as well. It's going to be uh, Cam Akers uh, from the L.A. Rams. Uh, he went he went off, man. He didn't have the opportunity to find the end zone, but he did average 5.9 yards a carry on 29 carries, 171 yards. Uh, he was uh, lights out for the Los Angeles Rams against the New England Patriots uh, on this uh, past Thursday. Uh, really controlled the game. Um, you know, you see Jared Goff had an off night. Um, only throwing for 137 yards and a, and a touchdown and um, one interception as well. And so it was very great. It was, it was very uh, – I know the Rams were very grateful to have Cam Akers be able to uh, keep the drives going, uh, be able to pick up the chunks of yards that he did um, in a game that was very sluggish offensively. Yeah, that's a good pick, man. I mean, that that was a thumping game. The Rams dominated the Patriots on Thursday Night Football. And Cam Akers out of Florida State, that's a guy that a lot of people as well, especially the fantasy football players, they went all after Cam Akers in the fantasy football drafts because they were anticipating that type of output from the beginning of the year. But it looks like Sean McVay really wanted to go with the veteran backs through the first half of the season with Malcolm Brown and Daryl Henderson, who's a second-year back. But, Jarrell, isn't it interesting, man, that here in December, as we get ready for the final stretch of the season, it's all about the ground game. If you cannot dominate on the ground in December, in January, and eventually if you want to get to the Super Bowl, that's February. I mean, these the cold weather is coming in. You're going to have to learn how to play smash mouth football. We saw it again last night, really from both teams, Ravens and Browns, Nick Chubb for the Browns, and then... How about J.K. Doppins and Gus Edwards for the Ravens? Those guys went to town, Lamar Jackson. So that, again, just puts an emphasis on the importance of being able to control the ground game at this point in the season. Yeah, I mean, it, it proved to be vital last night. Um, you know, and when you're talking about the ground game, you're talking about like how Derrick Henry and the Tennessee Titans, like it's a part of their formula, whether they are up or whether they are down going into the fourth quarter. And so 
Um, you know, we've seen it before. Uh, teams that have a phenomenal rushing attack uh, normally go go far in the playoffs. It's very hard. Obviously, we know that at the end of the day, the quarterbacks you have to throw to win football games. But to really get yourselves in those in those uh, those uh, favorable matchups, those manageable third downs, you have to have a solid run game because uh, once we get into these cold weather, this these the these colder months, um, that wind starts to pick up. The ball becomes a lot slicker. Um, it becomes a lot harder to throw through the wind, and you have to have a, a solid run game in order to solidify some manageable third downs. And in order to be a contender, Jarrell is stopping that run game, and, and defensive performances are just as important at this point of the season. And now we're going to segue into the defensive player of the week, Jarrell, and I'm going to go with Cardinals linebacker Son Reddick. It's not too hard to go with the guy that comes up with five sacks on a Sunday. This is a guy that was the 13th overall pick of the 2017 NFL Draft out of Temple. He had just seven and a half total sacks through his first three seasons. So, you know, a lot of people labeled him as a bust. And the thing about Reddick is that he's such a versatile, dynamic player that you can plug and play him at any linebacker spot if you want to put him at defensive end and let him get after the quarterback on third and long situations. He can do that as well. But I was just really happy for this guy because he's heard it all up to this point in his career. Now in year four, Drell, but... He's a New Jersey native, so being able to do it there at East Rutherford against the New York Giants, a team that he says he hated. He grew up as an Eagle fan, so getting after Daniel Jones and then Colt McCoy at the end, you look at his full stat box, five sacks, three forced fumbles. That's probably the defensive performance of the year. I mean, that was the fuel to a 26-7 dominant victory at MetLife Stadium for the Arizona Cardinals in a pivotal game. So Hassan Reddick, man, what he was able to do under the circumstances at this point in the year where a lot of guys are battling fatigue, that was certainly impressive. Yeah, I mean, it definitely was a, a, a hell of a game, man, because you're talking about a Giants team that's been uh, talked about over the last couple of weeks as far as being very impressive and having an opportunity to really uh, win that NFC East title. And so uh, them going and, and falling to the Arizona Cardinals, especially falling to them at home, uh, it definitely it definitely shows that the Cardinals are, are, are ready to play and trying to make a push for the playoffs. And they're going to need performances like that from Reddick. Um, you know, maybe not five sacks, but they're going to need that consistent pressure, uh, especially with the injury to Chandler Jones earlier in the year. They need to find pass rush in order to be uh, in contention in these games because we know their offense can score, but they have to be able to find some pass rush in order to uh, solidify themselves as being contenders. And when I'm going uh, when I'm going on the defensive side of the ball, my defensive player of the week is going to be a rookie. It's going to be Antoine uh, Antone uh, Whitfield, Jr., um, you know, having 10, uh, well, 12 total tackles last week, 10 solo tackles, one sack, a couple TFLs. Um, this young man has been all over the place, having an opportunity to thump, thump up on, uh, you know, a team that his, his father used to play for um, in a game that really uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers really needed in order to stay in contention for this wild card spot, um, as well as stay in contention for their division title. And so, I think at the end of the day, um, you know, his performance and him coming out there and being dominant, being so young and also being so physical down around the line of scrimmage as well in the secondary has really helped this young uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers secondary by his play and his energy that he brings to the field. Yeah, Antoine Winfield, that was a, a safety coming out of the draft from Minnesota that a lot of people were high on. Of course, 
Some people knocked him for his size because he's not the biggest dude. Kind of reminds me a lot of Buda Baker, Tyron Matthew. He's built from that same model. And coming in, man, year one, in that, that COVID-embattled offseason where he really wasn't able to get a full grip of the playbook and actual training camp, that goes for all the rookies. So it's not just him, but the fact that he's been able to contribute this much in his first season in a defense filled with talent, Todd Bowles there in Tampa, that was another big win for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers considering where the playoff race is in the NFC. But Antoine Winfield, that was a guy that I certainly highlighted coming out of the draft and the Buccaneers are absolutely thrilled to have him anchoring that secondary. And so that was a, a really big time performance from Antoine Winfield. But Jarrell, let's go ahead and now talk about the third trending topic of today's episode. And of course, it's all over the national media, especially on Monday morning, because it was a big upset led by Jalen Hurts. Jarrell, you and I talked about this last week on the podcast. Now, none of us, we both went with the Saints. But we did talk about Jalen Hurts and how the moment is never too big for him, how he's earned every single opportunity that he's been given going all the way back to Alabama and then his time at Oklahoma. But man, it was pretty impressive, Jarrell. So when you took in that game, you saw what he was able to do. What are your impressions of that first career NFL start? Uh, I thought that he was uh, extremely calm and, and poised out there. I really liked the way that uh, you know he handled every situation that came his way. And it was actually pretty cool that uh, Doug Peterson kept him calm by having these design runs uh, implemented in an offense for him. Uh, this gives a quarterback some confidence and, and understands that it's not necessarily always about my throws. It's really more so about just keeping the chains moving. And we know about this kid, man, going all the way back to college. We know how resilient he is. We know that he can overcome uh, any virtually any situation he gets put in. And uh, he's just a natural bread winner. And I think that Doug Peterson should actually uh, take a look at how, um, you know, his performance was on Saturday against a team that we're talking about potentially winning the NFC and uh, and how dominant he was uh, just being able to keep his team uh, above water ahead of the sticks um, and kind of feeding off that defense because that defense had a hell of a performance. Yeah, Jalen Hurts, 17 of 30 for 167, one touchdown to go along with 106 rush yards on 18 carries. Jarrell, this guy is averaging uh, nearly six yards a pop. And then you look at all the stats per Elias Sports Bureau, 106 rush yards for Jalen Hurts. is the second most by a player in his first career start at quarterback since 1950, trailing only Lamar Jackson's 119 yards in 2018. So yeah, I mean, his dual threat ability, I feel like was the main difference in that start taking over for Carson Wentz because you, you notice that when that pocket collapsed and you know Carson Wentz though he's very athletic and he can also make plays and we saw Carson Wentz make those types of plays a couple of years ago but obviously something whether it's it's an internal issue in his mental aspect of the game or maybe that injury to his knee kind of just put him in another state of mind but he wasn't getting out of the pocket and he wasn't extending plays like Jalen Hurts was able to do against the New Orleans Saints and that put a lot of pressure on a very good New Orleans defense and Dennis Allen. They weren't able to contain Jalen Hurts. And then that opened up the door for Miles Sanders, another talented, dynamic running back. We saw him go off. It looked like he had been kept under wraps for the last several weeks. But that really brought a new spark to that Philadelphia offense, Jarrell. And, you know, I think, again, the most impressive part about Jalen Hurts was that he didn't flinch. I mean, going up against a, a defense, probably the hottest team in football, the New Orleans Saints, riding that 
uh, win streak, and they were looking dominant. But Jalen Hurts, you know, calm under pressure, the leader of a team, and all his teammates spoke about that after the game. So to me, I think that's the most valuable part of that start. Yeah, the, I mean, he was extremely calm. And then, like, when you look at their first their first uh, possession, um, you know, even though it was turnover on downs, they started at the they started at their own twenty four and went thirteen plays. Uh, with 49 yards and and took eight minutes off the clock. So they were essentially um, right where they needed to be. Um, And then the very next time of possession they had, they had an opportunity to get a touchdown. And that's where it was great because we were able to see an Alshon Jeffrey sighting, which we haven't seen in quite a while. And so it was very good to get a guy like that back going. And like I said before, man, Jalen Hurts is extremely resilient. He's a guy that knows – uh, how to just wait his time and understand that at the right moment he has to strike. And um, he continues to just remain humble and, and goes out there and plays big-time football. So uh, especially against a team uh, in New Orleans that's been red hot, even with their backup quarterback, they essentially run the same uh, normal style of plays that they have been. They actually they actually attempt more deep passes with Taysom Hill uh, than uh, Drew Brees as well. So at the end of the day, the Philadelphia Eagles played a hell of a game defensively. And uh, Jalen Hurts went out there and did his thing and gave them a lot, uh, gave them a real big spark offensively. And you know, Jarrell, how much this pains me to compliment the Philadelphia Eagles coming from a Cowboys fan, man. But, I mean, the play of that defensive front for Philadelphia, Brandon Graham, Fletcher Cox, Javon Hargrave, and uh, Sweat coming off the edge, Josh Sweat. I mean, those guys, they got after Taysom Hill. They didn't really give Alvin Kamara that much space in the backfield. Those guys absolutely dominated the line of scrimmage. And I do have to give credit to that front seven in Philadelphia, especially because they're playing with a banged-up secondary for much of the second half when Darius Slay went down, Avante Maddox exited the game. And then, of course, Rodney Mecliot, and unfortunately he tore his ACL done for the season. But that front seven, bro, I mean, without them, without them consistently getting in the backfield, and you look at that Josh Sweat strip sack on Taysom Hill in that fourth-and-two rollout play, That put Philadelphia in position to get that distance on the scoreboard. So shout out to that Philly front seven. Man, like I told you, uh, every single time that the Philadelphia Eagles seem to find their back against the wall, they really rely on their front seven in order for them to get themselves back on track. Um, I mean, I've said this time and time again on the podcast. uh, I always like the Philadelphia Eagles, especially at home when their back is against the wall. Um, Brandon Graham, Fletcher Cox, guys that's been through the fire, guys that have won the Super Bowl. Um, they know what it takes in order to uh, keep this ship afloat. And, uh, man, this is so crazy that we're so interested in the NFC East, and we're talking about teams that are, that are that are under 500, and we're so ecstatic at talking, you know, and these guys are winning four, four games. Like, think about that. The Washington Redskins, uh, they're only, I think they're only – they've only won like six games and then you got the Eagles winning four and eight one. And so it's like, like we're so ecstatic talking about these guys. And I mean, these teams have underperformed then underperformed this entire year. Exactly, man. I mean, any other division right now with the team who has four, five, or six wins, I mean, your season's over with, but the fact that they're in the NFC East, the Cowboys, four and nine, and somehow have an opportunity that they could win the division on the outside looking in, but that's just bizarre to think about, but it certainly makes another wrinkle to a very odd 2020 season. And on that note, Jarrell, we're going to continue pushing forward as we get ready for week number 15. We're going to start it on Thursday night. 
It's going to be an AFC West battle. The Los Angeles Chargers, 4-9, Las Vegas Raiders. And man, that Raiders team has lost a lot of steam. And let's be real, if it wasn't for uh, Greg Williams calling that zero blitz against the Las Vegas Raiders a couple of weeks ago, the Las Vegas could very well be at 500 and coming off a second consecutive loss. But we all know they got hammered by the Colts on Sunday, barely escaped with that heave from Derek Carr to Henry Ruggs against New York. But right now, they're not playing well, Jarrell. And it's kind of unfortunate because Las Vegas, after knocking off the Chiefs and defeating the Saints at home, this was a team that I think a lot of people felt were finally turning the corner in John Gruden's stint in Las Vegas. There was excitement about where they were headed. But all of a sudden, it just looks like a vacuum sucked out all the, the positive energy there in Las Vegas because they did not look good against the Indianapolis Colts on Sunday. And they're taking on the Chargers, who we know they've had a, a very tough season. They're, they're coming off a victory on Sunday, so shockingly, they finally came out on top. But Jarrell, this isn't, a, I guess... Uh, an exciting matchup on paper, but it is a divisional matchup, so we can expect to see some intensity on Thursday night. So on that note, who are you going to pick to win the game? Uh, in Las Vegas, man, I'm going to take the Raiders. They uh, they play well at home, man, and I really like the, the way that they um, – I mean, they can run the football. I think that they know what they do well. The Chargers haven't been uh, necessarily good against the run this year, so they're probably going to rely – heavenly on uh, Josh Jacobs and uh, that play action pass as well. I mean, defensively, they're young. Um, their secondary is young. Uh, even up front, their playmakers, their best playmakers in year two uh, as far as Max Crosby. So we're talking about a young team uh, and it just they fall, they fall uh, as far as that maturity is concerned. And I think John Gruden will have an opportunity to get this fixed as the season goes on and into next year. Uh, and then they'll, they'll have an opportunity to compete in this AFC West. But I'm going to take the Raiders on this one. I'm going to take them in a close one. I think it's going to be a shootout, and I'm going to take them 34 to 31. Our scores, man, are pretty darn similar. I'm taking the Raiders as well, 30 to 27 over the Chargers. I think Justin Herbert's going to come out and find some success picking apart that Vegas secondary that has been one of the worst in the league. We know they fired Paul Gunther. Rod Marinelli is the interim DC. We'll see what changes, if any, we're going to see on Thursday night. I mean, it's such a quick turnaround that I don't think we're going to see much of a difference in terms of the schemes. But, of course, the new voice is in charge of the defense, the veteran Rod Marinelli. I'll still take the Raiders by a narrow margin over the Chargers. I like them to get the job done just because they can control that time of possession in the third, fourth quarter with Josh Jacobs. We're going to have a Saturday doubleheader. How about that? We're going to have Bills, Broncos, man, love it. Panthers, and Packers. It's going to be cool, man. I'm looking forward to seeing NFL football on a Saturday. The Bills, 10-3, and three, taking on the Broncos, 5-8. and eight. Jarrell, I think we're both in consensus here on Buffalo winning this game. I'm going to take Josh Allen and the Bills, who are rolling at this point in the season. I like them to win this game by a score of 27-13, to 13, really dominating on defense because they're starting to shine. And you see that uh, secondary led by Tredavious White and Poyer and Micah Hyde. Those guys are starting to turn it up a little bit, Jarrell. So I like where Buffalo's headed. Yeah, I like the Buffalo Bills in this one as well. I just think it's going to be a, a more... Uh, tightly contested game. Denver normally plays well at home. They do have a solid running game, and Buffalo 
hasn't necessarily been well against the run, although they did well against the Steelers. The Steelers doesn't have a solid run game, to be honest with you. And so the Broncos are going to come out and try to be physical with these guys up front. Uh, they did get a win last week, so I, I'm not necessarily knocking the Broncos uh, coming into this one this week. Uh, the Buffalo Bills coming off uh, uh, two emotional wins over the last couple weeks. Um, hopefully they can continue to ride this high, man. But I'm, I'm going to go with the Buffalo Bills. Um, I think it's going to be a closer game than what people give it credit for. Um, I'm going to go with them 27-21. Uh, to 21. Next game, it's a Saturday night cap. The Carolina Panthers 4-9 taking on the Green Bay Packers, who are now in the driver's seat for that number one seat in the NFC after the Saints lost because the Packers do hold the head-to-head advantage over New Orleans. So Green Bay, they're sitting in a very nice position with three weeks to go, 10-3. I like Aaron Rodgers and the Packers in this one. Big 34-17 over the Panthers. Now, if Christian McCaffrey can come back and play I think Carolina will obviously have a little bit more success on the offensive end, but that is still in uncertainty. And just the way Green Bay is playing right now, we all see it. Aaron Rodgers is continuing his MVP style of play, and they're going to be at Lambeau Field. I like them to win this by multiple possessions. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. With professional-grade industrial supplies, count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Yeah, definitely. Um, I'm going to take the Packers in this one as well. Uh, hopefully, they come out and be they're more impressive in their win. Uh, this, has happened, this happened to Green Bay last year. I mean, they were sitting here at 10-3. and three. Uh, they were rolling in the NFC and they just didn't and they looked like they were crushing everybody until they ran into a real contender. So I really would like to see Green Bay uh, go out and dominate and really uh, put up and uh, put up some impressive numbers this week against the Panthers. And so I'm hopefully my score is right, um, but I'm going to go with a score of 37 uh, to 20. Now we got Sunday's game, Jarrell. Seattle, 9-4. This is all sorts of interesting because they're taking on the NFC East leaders, the Washington football team, 6-7. And, and, man, that Washington defense, they're pretty darn dominant. And if you look at that blueprint that the Giants used on Seattle a couple weeks ago, I feel like this Washington team, who, by the way, they're riding a four-game win streak, they can uh, have a very good chance to knock off Seattle at home. However, at this point, Russell Wilson and that Seattle offense after that down week, 
They answered back with a big-time performance against the Jets. We know it's the Jets, but I will still pick Russell Wilson and get the job done. At this point in the season, the divisional title is on the line. They know the Rams are ahead of them. They have to win out if they want a chance. That desperation is going to seep through on Sunday. I'll take Seattle, but in a very close game, 26-20. to Yeah, I'm going to roll with Seattle as well. Uh, I think that they really need to get themselves back in contention. Although, man, um, these games are always tightly contested when Seattle goes out to play Washington. Washington normally plays good against Seattle. Uh, Chase Young has been uh, wrecking havoc all over the place. I'm so inspired for this Washington team because I really feel like they finally got the right coach. They're finally sending the right message as an organization. So uh, shouts out to them moving in the right direction. But I'm still going to roll with the Seahawks. Uh, but I think the Seahawks are, are going to be uh, in a dogfight, to be honest with you. I think that the that the Washington football team is going to come out very aggressive and they're going to come out really trying to shut down this running game of the Seattle Seahawks. So I'm going to give them an edge in this one, but it's going to be a tight one, man, 20 to 17. All right, Drill. So next game here, we have the San Francisco 49ers, 5-8, and eight, taking on the Dallas Cowboys, 4-9. and nine. This is a 1 p.m. Eastern time game. And by the way, I'm going to give a little plug out to ColorCast, the live commentary that Jarrell and I, both of us, were able to partner up and we're doing some games. I know Jarrell did the Steelers and Bills. I did the Saints and Eagles. So I'm actually going to be on the call for the Niners and Cowboys game. So go out, download the ColorCast app. We're going to be putting out promos into the weekend. It's a great app where you can be interactive. You can listen to our analysis. So uh, I will be live chatting up the Dallas Cowboys. So be sure to check that out. More details coming up ahead, Jarrell. But this game was originally slated for the primetime slot. Of course, the NFL bumped it out because both teams are really not in contention, Jarrell. But the Cowboys coming off a victory. The 49ers lost the game to the Washington football team. They're still dealing with a lot of injuries. I'm going to take the Cowboys here. In a close game, 27-21 over Nick Mullins in San Francisco. I liked what I saw. I mean, Andy Dalton has been playing pretty solid. The Cowboys are going to have to get that rushing attack going on Sunday. Ezekiel Elliott, I don't think, got enough carries, only like 11 or 12. He averaged four yards a carry. But if Dallas wants to have that same winning formula, they're going to have to go to Zeke a little bit more. And defensively, I know they finally got turnovers, but they're going to have to tighten the screws, and I think it's going to help them because they're going to get some of those starting corners back with the Wouzier and maybe Trevon Diggs if he can progress fast this week. But that'll help. I'll take the Cowboys here. Man, not so fast, man. I'm going to roll with San Fran. Um, they lost a, uh, a tough one last week to the Washington football team, and I think that they're going to have an opportunity to bounce back and become uh, very aggressive this week. And um, I like Nick Mullins, man. I mean, I know he's not flashy or anything like that, but he tries to make the best decisions. And I think Kyle Shanahan uh, uh, put together a nice game plan against the Dallas Cowboys. Um, I really uh, I think the, the San Francisco 49ers, their defense has an opportunity to bounce back and uh, really be aggressive this week. Uh, and so um, all the talk about Zeke and having a chance to uh, get him back into the run game, I think it both well for the 49ers in this one. So I like the 49ers in a, in a close one, uh, 24 to uh, 17. It'll be a good game. I feel like it'll be close 
close matchup, Dallas-San Francisco, an old rivalry renewed. Now we're going to talk about another rivalry from the NFC North, Jarrell, the Chicago Bears and the Minnesota Vikings. Both teams are at 6-7, and seven, so a small glimmer of hope for both of these teams to get into that final wildcard spot, but they're going to have to win out. So really, this game is ultra-critical for both teams. However, Jarrell, I like Minnesota more than Chicago. They're playing at Minnesota. Kirk Cousins and Dalvin Cook, they're still playing at a high level, and it's just hard. Even though Mitchell Trubisky put together a nice performance against Houston, it's hard to trust that Bears offense, and for that reason, I'm going to take Minnesota to win in a rather low-scoring affair, 24-17. Yeah, I'm a roll with you too, man. I'm a, I'm a roll with Kirk Cousins to bounce back. They didn't have the best outing uh, against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The only positive that they do have is that they did rush for over uh, 100 yards. Dalvin Cook for went over for 100 yards. So, and that was the first time um, you know Tampa Bay has given up a 100 yard rusher in over 21 games. So, I think at the end of the day, the Vikings do have something that they can be uh, feel proud about. Um, but they're going to have a great showing uh, coming out against this Bears team. I just don't. I just don't trust Mr. Trubisky, man. I just don't trust this offense and, um, and, and knowing what they consistently want to do. So I'm going to roll with the Vikings in this one. It's going to be a tough one. Uh, I'm going to roll with them 29 to 20. We got uh, AFC East clash. Patriots 6-7, and seven, Dolphins 8-5. and five. I like Miami here, Jarrell. They played Kansas City tight. It was 33-27. The defense continues that spree of takeaways, and we all know New England's offense. It just looks very stagnant and pulled apart cam newton has not been able to really get into a rhythm and he is going to have his hands full against that miami defense and that front i like the dolphins in a dominating win 27 to 10 over the new england patriots Tua starting to turn the corner a little bit i like where miami's headed so i'll take them to route the patriots on sunday yeah i like the dolphins in this one too i think it's going to be uh <laughs> It's going to be a dogfight, man. We talked about last time the Patriots playing the Dolphins, and it was all about Cam Newton's chain. It was all about the D-line of the Dolphins and all of this. Like, So I, I really like this matchup. Um, I think the Dolphins are going to be physical in this one. They have to be physical in order to stay in contention, uh, and especially uh, with Buffalo winning. So uh, we know at the end of the day the Dolphins have to put on a show, and, they want to, and you want to stick it in the face of Bill Belichick for always – uh, winning the AFC East over the last couple, uh, over the last 11 years, actually. So um, I'm going to roll with the Dolphins in this one, but I think it's going to be a close game, 24 to 18. Lions at Titans drill. The status of Matthew Stafford is still up in the air. He's dealing with that rib injury that he suffered on Sunday against Green Bay. So if they're without Matthew Stafford, this is just going to be more of a blowout in Tennessee's favor. Uh, the Titans nine and four coming off a big time win. Derrick Henry, he, this is when he's when he's at his peak. He's starting to reach his top performance as we get into the final stretch of the season and into the playoffs. I like Tennessee to win thirty four to twenty over the Detroit Lions, and I'm assuming Matthew Stafford's going to play. He's a tough dude, but offensively, Tennessee they're hitting their stride. Ryan Tannehill, AJ Brown is going off as well. They're a physical smash mouth team. Defensively, though. They still are having some issues in the secondary, but they're activating their rookie corner, Christian Fulton, off IR. So he's going to be returning. So maybe a little bit of a boost for that Titans secondary. But either way, I like the Titans to win this matchup. As long as Derrick Henry's playing, I'm rolling with the Titans, bro. Like, I mean, this dude is like mega, I mean, like literally Optimus Prime out there. Like, it's, <laughs> it's insane to watch him uh, go out there and just continue to dominate week in and week out. 
Um, as long as he's back there and, then, and as long as they uh, have an opportunity to hand him the football 25, 30 times, I'm going to roll with the Titans. So I'm going to – I think these guys are really starting to put some things together, though. I really like their their win um, this week and, uh, and, and bouncing back. And so I like them to go to 10-4, and four, man, being very dominant, 34 uh, to 26. And another team in that AFC South – that's vying for the top spot. The Indianapolis Colts are at nine and four. They're going to host the four nine Houston Texans, who absolutely got whooped in uh, in Chicago by the Bears. I like the Colts here. You know, pretty pretty easy pick just because they're able to establish that rushing attack and dominate now with Jonathan Taylor who's starting to emerge a little bit. Old man Phillip is playing some solid football now. That T. Y. Hilton is starting to wake up from his slumber. We know he got off to a slow start. Michael Pittman Jr. Give me the Colts here. 31-17 over the Houston Texans. I don't think this is going to be a really a close matchup at all. Yeah, I'm going to roll with the Colts too, man. I think that they really have to uh, have to dominate. They have to have more impressive wins, man. Shout out to my dog, uh, Kyrie, uh, Kyrie, man, and um, having an opportunity, man. He went out there and dominated, had a pick six, man. Willis, man, went out there, ball. Um, he's been uh, he's been spectacular for them in the secondary in this coach secondary. Vote for my man for the Pro Bowl. I got to give all my Spartan dogs a shout out, bro, because they keep continuing to ball. So um, I'm gonna roll with the Colts in this one, man. As long as they have that solid run game and defense, uh, Philip just has to not turn the ball over. And if they're indoors, it's gonna work. So I'm gonna roll with the Phil- <laughs> I'm gonna roll with Philip Rivers in this one, man. And um, and I I like for them to be dominant. Yep, yep. They're indoors. Phillip Rivers should have himself a nice day, but we're going to go into the next game here. The Baltimore Ravens coming off that big time win on Monday Night Football. They're playing the Jaguars 1-12. They're going back to Minshew Mania. He's going to be starting for Jacksonville, but where Baltimore is headed, you got to be encouraged uh, how this team is playing with a little bit of desperation, and they know they got to win out or they want to get into the playoffs. This is a no-brainer here. Baltimore 30-13 to over Jacksonville. Yeah, I'm going to roll with Baltimore as well, man. Um, they got a very impressive win, like I said. Uh, these guys have been dominant over the last couple weeks. I knew that they were going to come in there and outlast the Cleveland Browns last night. Last night, I didn't know that it was going to go such a high score, but I knew that they were going to have opportunities to really uh, outlast the Cleveland Browns. Um, and so, uh, you know, we talked about that on the Cut the Check podcast. I really, I, I won big on that one, bro. I, that, I doubled down with the Ravens last week against the Browns. So I'm very excited about that. And I'm excited about them having a chance to go against the 1-12 Jags so they can keep their momentum going, and I'm, I'm I think they're gonna dominate, man. They're gonna go out there and really put on a show. Yeah, man, that's good. Yeah, yeah. The Ravens, I had picked the Browns, man, but the Ravens came through. It was a really impressive game, and it was one of the most entertaining ones as we were talking about at the beginning of the podcast. So the Ravens will continue to churn out and get that momentum against the Jacksonville Jaguars. But the Buccaneers and the Falcons, Jarrell, I like the Bucks all day long against Atlanta. Even though the Falcons, they were without Julio Jones on Sunday. He could be back in the lineup. But right now, we're Tampa mentally they understand where they're at in the year tom brady mike evans that connection starting to grow a little bit more ronald jones and that rushing attack has improved gradually throughout the season so i'll take tampa but in a little bit of a tighter game than some people may predict i'll give tampa bay the win 27 to 21 I'm actually going to go with Tampa Bay dominating in this game, man. I think that it's indoors. Um, everybody loves to come down here to play against the Falcons in that big stadium, man. It's such a great stadium. 
Um, shout out to <laughs> Arthur Blank for the stadium. But <laughs> I'm going to roll with Tampa Bay, bro. I, I think they're going to dominate in this game, actually, bro. They got their running game going. Um, Ronald Jones, even though he got the pin put in his finger, I think he's going to come out and still be dominant. Leonard Fournette's going to be dominant. Tom Brady, uh, Rob Gronkowski, they're finally clicking as far as the play action pass concern, the deep threats, uh, the red zone, uh, the red zone uh, targets as well. And I mean, really, at the end of the day, bro, you I mean, you could pick your poison. You got Antonio Brown. Scotty Miller is a is a is a seam threat, bro. I mean, like anytime he's running up the seam, he's been a threat. So um, I'm going to roll with Tampa in this one. I'm going to roll with them to win by at least 18. The next game is really, really difficult to pick, Jarrell. Eagles and Cardinals. This is a, a pretty difficult matchup to discuss and find out who I think is going to come out on top because Philadelphia, they're coming off a big-time win that's going to give them a boost. 4-8-1, they know they got to win out. There's no more room for error where they're at in the standings. And the Cardinals, they're in the same exact boat because they understand the importance of winning out in that tough division if they want to get into that uh, playoff berth. So, very difficult one for me, Jarrell. But in the end, I'm going to have to go with Arizona at home. And it's going to be a close game. It could go either way here. But I'll say a game-winning field goal gets the job done for the Arizona Cardinals, 24-21 to over Jalen Hurts. But again, this is one that I'm still struggling with. The difference here will be that Arizona defense with uh, Patrick Peterson and Buda Baker making a game-changing play in the secondary against Jalen Hurts. Yeah, I'm going to roll with the Cardinals here too, bro. I think that it's going to be a tightly contested game coming down to a game, uh, game-winning field goal as well. Um, I just like Kenyon Drake. I like uh, with 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 um, you know when they got when they had an opportunity to get Larry Fitzgerald back. Um, I said it on a couple podcasts. He really calms this offensive uh, game plan down. Um, his mismatches inside against the linebackers and um, and inexperienced safeties has always given them an opportunity to move the change forward. And so I I really um, ever since he's come back off the COVID list, it's really uh, boasted this uh, Arizona Cardinals offense. So. I'm just going to stick with the Arizona Cardinals in this one, but I'm going to go on a game-winning field goal late, um, and I'm going to go 27-25. to 25. Jets at Rams. This is uh, upset city, man. Are you taking Gase's Jets here or what? Are you going to go with the Rams? Come on, bro. It's not April Fool's. It's not April Fool's, man. I know 2020 has been crazy. It ain't that crazy. We are not rolling with the Jets. <laughs> I'm just checking, bro, because I, I got to make sure that I don't, some some Sundays, you, you maybe you want to support your guy, Adam Gay. So I always got to check in with you, man. But for me... Well, you know, usually I, you know, I'm just... <laughs> 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 no, man, but we know here the Rams. This is, this is a big time game. 38-7 is what I'm going to call for the Los Angeles Rams. I'll spot the Jets at touchdown in garbage time but man I, I do not want to see what Aaron Donald is going to do to that Jets offensive line it is going to be nasty so uh the Rams big time yeah this is a stat game for the Rams if you're trying to get your Pro Bowl vote up man I'm definitely going to try to uh I'm going to be trying to get out there and get some snaps especially against the Jets and they're on the road and um I really like the Rams in this one uh that really big beautiful stadium they got out west so I'm going to roll with the Rams to dominate in this one. Um, I think they're going to win by at least three touchdowns. 
Three more games on the slate, Jarrell, and this was a massive one. Obviously, as both of these teams vie for the number one seed in their respective conference, the Chiefs 12-1 at the New Orleans Saints 10-3. Now, the big storyline is will Drew Brees be available to play for the Saints? They're saying that they're not going to rush him back from that uh, rib injury and collapsed lung, so we don't know. It could be Taysom Hill again. But uh, this game here is going to be one to watch. At 425 p.m. Eastern time on Sunday, Jarrell, for me, I'm going to take the Kansas City Chiefs to win, though. Even though the Saints, I know they're going to want to come back and bounce back. I just can't pick against Kansas City the way they're playing offensively. Their defense and Steve Spagnuolo, they're starting to, to hunker down a little bit more. Frank Clark starting to wake up a little bit for Kansas City. Tyron Matthews putting together another strong season. I'll go with Kansas City. 31 to 27 over the Saints. I like Kansas City um, in this one. I think it's going to come down to actually a field goal, though. Uh, I believe the, C- the Saints are going to come out with their best game plan that we've seen thus far. Um, I know we don't necessarily think that Drew Brees is going to play. I don't believe he's going to play. Why risk it when you have an opportunity to see the Chiefs again in the Super Bowl if you get there? Uh, this could be a potential Super Bowl matchup that we're talking about as well. So I don't necessarily think you risk it. Um, you know, if you're fighting for uh, the, the the NFC, I think the Saints have an opportunity to risk it. But I don't think this would be a, 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 the right game to do so. Um, but I just like the Chiefs, man. And it's really, really it just comes down to Travis Kelsey um, and his ability to work in the slots, his ability to uh, sit in the, the holes of the zone, uh, the zones. And I think that the New Orleans Saints front seven is going to have a, a very tough time. Um, these linebackers are aggressive, but they're going to have a tough time covering this guy in coverage. So. I really like I really like the Kansas City Chiefs to get a late field goal to win this one. The Saints are going to come out with their best offensive game plan that we've seen thus far, but I like the Chiefs to win late. All right, Sunday night game: Browns nine and four at the Giants five and eight. This is another game that I think both defenses will show up to play. I'm going to give Cleveland a three-point win, 26-23 over the Giants, just because I like what I've seen from Baker Mayfield in that rushing attack for the Browns. This is a game that they must take if they want to keep stride in that playoff picture in the AFC. Although the Giants, you know that they were embarrassed last week. They're going to be back at home. So I expect Joe Judge and his side to come up fighting. But in the end, I'll take the Browns by three. Yeah, this is going to be uh, a closer game than what you get than what people give uh, credit for because you know the Giants particularly play well um, in these primetime games, uh, and they have over the last uh, they have over the last few weeks. And um, you know they took a thumping last week at home to Arizona. They have an opportunity to shut down this Browns running attack. Uh, Baker Mayfield has proved me wrong two weeks in a row. He's had a, a very impressive um, stat lines, and so. Uh, you know, I think they're going to try to continue to ride this hot hand. Um, obviously, they love to run the football. I just think that they boast well for the Giants in this situation. And the game is going to come down to a, a late field goal as well, man, up in New York um, at MetLife to get a win. So I like the Browns in this one, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if the Giants have an upset. Same here. And to close out week number 15, Steelers at the Bengals. This is more than likely going to be a lopsided affair in the Steelers' favor. They've lost two straight games, Jarrell. This is the game where they'll get back on track, and Steeler Nation will take a big sigh of relief and say, okay, they got to win after losing two consecutive. Pittsburgh big, 31-13 over the Cincinnati Bengals. Yeah, um, I mean, 
Well, we want to go with a upset. I'm going to go. No, I'm not. I'm not going to go. Uh, hey, man. I'm joking. I... I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> now, as, uh, you know, the Steelers have a chance to really uh, let off some steam this week, you know, when we go against uh, Cincy. Because, you know, they they uh, they got their butts kicked last week against the Bills, man. The Bills really came ready to play. Um, I thought that the Bills' offensive game plan originally fell in was in favor of the Steelers because – um, they allowed T.J. Watt and Cam Hayward and Stephon Tua to be one-on-one in pass rushing. So it really wasn't boasting well for the Buffalo Bills offense early on. Um, but they did. They made some adjustments second half. You saw how Stephen Diggs broke off a lot of a lot of his long routes um, and was able to really uh, hurt this Steelers secondary. They don't have a guy like that in Cincy to be able to change the landscape of the game like that. So I'm going to roll with the, uh, I'm going to roll with the Pittsburgh Steelers in a dominating game, um, 34 to 13. Well, that wraps it up right there, Jarrell, the final game of week 15. And we're only going to have two more weeks of the regular season after this. And then we'll go right into the playoffs. It's going to be an exciting finish to see how this playoff picture looks when the dust settles, but I'm looking forward to watching some good matchups starting on Thursday night football, Raiders and the Chargers. So again, Jarrell, I appreciate you joining the podcast. We always enjoy chatting up different matchups, some top storylines that we got into today as well. But until next week, take it easy. By the way, I just want to leave a little bit of uh, something to preview. Next week, Jarrell and I may be working on something to talk about these playoffs a little bit more in depth. So we may have something coming for you. So all those who are listening, stay tuned. We have some stuff that's coming up. I will leave them with that, Jarrell. Man, you got all the good information, man. I know these fans are out here excited about uh, these upcoming weeks. Uh, Just get with us on our social media platforms and everything, guys. Uh, Pro uh, Football Chase, Cut the Check Podcast. Um, You know, send us all your feedback. And we love to connect with you guys each and every week. So uh, continue to give us that good feedback. And even if it's negative, we'll chat it up with you. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah, if it's negative, bring it on. You know, we're going to always discuss that. But all right, Jerome, man, take care. Have a blessed uh, day, and uh, we'll touch base soon, brother. Absolutely, man. You take care, brother. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Coriant.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.